It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. With the 50th overall pick in the second round, the New York Giants have selected Aziz Ojolari. Outside linebacker slash edge rusher out of the University of Georgia. Welcome to our special instant reaction edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you. And much like yesterday, you might be sitting there and saying, wait a second, 50th overall? Weren't the Giants picking at 42nd? Well, Captain Tradedown is now the general manager of the New York Football Giants. Dave Gettleman moved down again, uh, swapping picks with the Miami Dolphins in the second round, going from 42 to 50, picking up a third-round pick from the Dolphins in the 2022 draft, adding another pick next year. And the Giants, with that pick, they go pass rusher, guys. We talked about the second round being a sweet spot for a pass rusher this entire draft process. I don't think any of us thought that Aziz Ojolari would be the guy that would still be sitting there in the second round in that sweet spot, but he was, and it's hard to argue with this value, guys. 14 sacks in his last two seasons at Georgia. We know about Joe Judge's connections to Kirby Smart. All the puzzle pieces fit together, and it's hard to argue the Giants didn't get tremendous value here with the 50th overall pick while picking up an extra third round there next year. Paul? Well, you know, John, it just seems to me that, first up, the trade down with Miami to pick up that third rounder, for the same reason we told you yesterday, that getting the two draft picks in the first round uh, deal when they moved down, uh, it just is, is such a brilliant move because of all of the reasons, economic and otherwise, to stack up on young players on rookie contracts in the early rounds of the 2022 draft. And Paul, it just, just to, makes uh, too much sense. And just to add, the Dow Giants will have an extra first-round pick, third-round pick, and fourth-round pick in next year's draft. How can anybody not love that? I, I don't know how you can. I'll tell you what, I'm already looking forward to next year's shows in January, February, and March and April as we get ready for next year's draft. I'm and, and if for some reason they decide that they don't need all of those players in one shot, they could use some of it as trade trade fodder. Or, so, or get more picks the next year. There's a million things you exactly. can do. Exactly. So it's, it's just really, really, really great for the Giants to be able to pull off both of these trades. And as far as the player is concerned, look, we've talked about all these different players for several months. And as I've always said, and, and we have agreed as a staff, there's no way for us to know anything about the medicals. We can only tell you what we see on tape and what the experts in those particular cities could tell us. The report on Larry were outstanding. He is a terrific pass rusher off the edge with unbelievable moves. Really a ferocious, ferocious get-after-the-quarterback kind of guy who has all the physical tools and skills to wreck a game. You could very easily argue mid-first-round talent, John? I think that's fair enough well, to can, say. Just to give you an idea, Dane Brugler had him as his 16th overall player and his top edge player. I think that qualifies as mid. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so so none of us, none of us can say anything about this player from a tape standpoint that that would would surprise you. We're all going to tell you this guy is a terrific 
player who projects very, very well. Uh, again, with the medicals, we have no idea about the medicals. Therefore, when I talk about guys and target dives for the Giants, I don't even consider them. Lance, I, I, don't, I don't know what else I can add to that. Yeah, and by the way, Lance, I just want to throw in there really quick. What Paul's referring to is that even it was mentioned on Big Blue Kickoff Live, there were reports that if the medical rechecks in Indianapolis, that something was flagged with him with his legs that could be an issue. Um, and to Paul's point, we don't know those medical reports. That's one of the things we don't know, so there's really not much of a point in us analyzing that or making a comment on it because the Giants doctors obviously have that information and we don't, and they're comfortable with it. But Lance, as for the player, boy, I mean, he fits the size as a stand-up rusher as well as you can imagine it. 34.5-inch arms, which is really good length for an edge player, and I mentioned the production, 14 sacks in his two years at Georgia. Yeah, he had five and a half sacks in 2019, eight and a half sacks this past season. And just to piggyback off of perhaps some of the injury concerns, this is an injury that stems from his high school days when he had a torn ACL. He redshirted in 2018, so he didn't play his first actual season in college, but he did not miss a game in each of the last two seasons. He played in every single one of Georgia's games. That's 24 to be exact, 23 starts. You look at the sack numbers, but to me, he's a disruptive player because he also has five forced fumbles, three passes defense. This is a player that he led Georgia in sacks each of the last two seasons, and he led the SEC guy in tackles for loss. So it's not just about him getting to the quarterback and finishing. It's about him getting beyond the line of scrimmage and making sure that the opposition doesn't get a positive play. And the Giants could utilize somebody like that to complement what they already have. Remember, Lorenzo Carter, coincidentally, a fellow Georgia player. By the way, the Giants have taken a Georgia player in each of the last three drafts. So that's not surprising considering Kirby Smart and the Alabama ties to the Giants coaching staff right now, as well as the organization overall. But Lorenzo Carter coming off a season-ending injury. O'Shane Zimenez coming off a season-ending injury. Some of these guys who have some upside and potential have some question marks. So now you bring in another player who you could toy with. You can mix and match. You mentioned, John, there's a guy that could stand up. They also put him right at the line of scrimmage because Georgia ran a very unique defensive scheme. So I think that this is another player that you add to the volume of pass rushers with this youth movement and now Patrick Graham can get creative. He doesn't have to rely on one guy to be a hero. He can determine it based on what the opposition presents on a weekly basis. Yeah, Paul, I think this could be a guy, if you watch him on tape, is a pass rusher. He has that dip and rip move down as a guy that gets to mm -hmm. the edge. He swipes the hands. He you know gets that arm up, dips his shoulder, and gets under the offensive tackle. That's his pet move. He's phenomenal at it. Yes, Shona Harris talking about that today on the NFL Network. He talked about it when we did our edge preview on our a giant holder podcast leading up to the draft. And that's the best move to have for an edge guy now. He needs to develop some counters. He has a quick inside twitch that you see on tape that he can do. But I really think early on in his career, Paul, this is a guy that maybe you slowly work him in on early downs versus the run. But he's a guy that I feel probably better about than anybody on the Giants roster right now that can win off the edge, around that offensive tackle, with bend, with some speed. Now, he's a little bit stiff, but he has really good ability to win around the edge, which is a, as you well know, a very hard talent to find in the National Football League. You know, that it's kind of like in baseball when they talk about that closer who has that high, unhittable fastball. Yeah. It's just that one thing that if you've got that and you're really, really good at it, it's nearly impossible to combat it, and that's what this guy has, that edge move around the outside. He owns real estate 
in the offensive backfield. It's just that simple. And and he can keep going to that same area time after time around the edge, and these poor tackles, running backs, and tight ends are just going to have nightmares trying to deal with him as he keeps turning that corner and turning that corner time after time after time. And the beauty of it is they pretty much know what he's going to do, and they still have difficulty stopping him. And that's why when Lance said, you know, even his tackles for a loss kind of, you know, widens your eyes a little bit, well, that's why, because he spends so much time in the offensive backfield. Well, and keep in mind, the reason why I highlighted the tackles for loss, if you look at the stats last season, and this is where the loss of Dalvin Tomlinson, who's not a flashy guy, should be brought to the forefront here. He had nine and a half tackles for loss, Dalvin. That was number two on the team behind Leonard Williams. You need somebody to step up and at least make up for that loss. Now, Tomlinson wasn't a big sack guy, so you could argue, okay, you get maybe more of a boost here with Ojolari, but you need somebody also that's going to help stop the run because Tomlinson was so effective. Now, I'm not saying that Ojolari is a defensive lineman who's going to play on the interior. My point is, if you look at the sack totals last year, guys, outside of Leonard Williams, how did they accomplish that relatively high total Blitzen. in terms of getting to a number which was 40, which I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised. They did it in piecemeal. Outside of Leonard Williams, they didn't rely on another guy who had double-digit sacks. So Ojolari is somebody that he'll help you with the sacks, but I also look at somebody that can help you with the tackles for a loss, which you were hit by the absence now of Dalvin Tomlinson. Last thing I want to touch on, guys, we'll go for a couple more minutes here. We'll get the Giants then again picking the third round. We'll have another one of these after that selection. Um, we could talk of that real quickly, the needs too. Uh, but in terms of Ojolari, we talk about him as an edge player. Guys, he's basically a guy that's going to play at the end of the line of scrimmage in your you know, base 3-4 when the Giants are in that. He'll be that stand-up guy. But he can certainly put his hand in the dirt and rush the passer on third downs off the edge You know, as, as that guy that's running, rushing probably off the weak side of the offense where there's no tight end. You know, Usually that's off the left tackle. So I think that's where you're going to see him. All right, Paul. Just we got a couple minutes to go here. Your thoughts on now where the Giants go in round three, and we've talked about this a lot, right? Sweet spot edge rusher in round two. Sweet spot, at least for me in the third round, I think you got to look to the offensive line. There are still a lot of pretty darn good players left on the board. Yes, and I know, John, because we are doing this on tape and not live, I almost hesitate to name some names yep. other than to know that Aaron Banks of Notre Dame already went in the second round, which was so much higher than I thought he would go. And Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eikenberg, and also Landon Dickerson and Jackson Carmen off the board as well. Okay. And Dylan Radins as well. Oh, Dylan Radins went too. I missed yes, that Tennessee one. Tennessee okay. took him. Thank you. But the point remains that tomato patch still has tomatoes in it. And unless there's a run here at some point before the Giants pick again, John, they will be able to get somebody if they really want one. Again, I would also just throw out, we, we've talked about him before, Tommy Tremble. If they want to decide to go tight end, uh, I love the guy. I, I don't necessarily think the Giants will go in that direction. But that's going to be a sweet spot in the third round, probably before he, he gets, uh, the, or should I say the Giants get on the board, I, I think Trumbull is going to really make somebody happy. Yeah, right now as we record this, we're at pick 55. The Steelers just picked Pat Fryermuth, by the way. And you guys saw former giant Antoine Bethea announced the pick for the Colts, too. That was pretty cool. It's good to see How Antoine. about that? I know. Very very nice guy. Good good, good, good character guy. Lance, you, uh, your thoughts here for the, second, uh, for the third round very quickly before we sign off. 
Well, my million-dollar question is, do we know they're actually going to pick where they're allotted at this point? <laughs> and, by, and by the way, just for the so. record, we are 55 just went when we're recording this, so they're 20 picks away. So a lot can happen yeah. between 55 and 76. Well, and also, Dave Gettleman's now two for two. He has dropped down in each of the first two rounds, and he never did that in his nine years as a general manager. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants look at the board and maybe they feel there's a run on certain players, as you guys just alluded to. You know, maybe they can for some reason, get an extra 2022 draft pick, which I don't necessarily think they need at this point. But I do think that there's some substance at various positions. I think if you look at just need for the roster, I would anticipate the Giants probably bring in an offensive lineman at some point, at least somebody who's got the flexibility to play guard and tackle or maybe center and guard just to add some competition to what they already have. And you figure that there's going to be somebody who will be aligned there. You guys brought up the tight ends. Remember, though, they did bring in Kyle Rudolph. I understand it's not necessarily a long-term deal, so there is room to bring in a young guy, but they do have a lot of wealth at the tight end position as it stands right now. So maybe offensive line, I'd move that ahead of tight end in terms of where the board aligns. I'm with you, Lance. I don't think they will take a tight end. In fact, I'd be surprised if they take one at all in this draft. It's just that for me, I, I see so much potential in Tremble. He's going to be a star in this league, and I just hate to see him go somewhere like when George Kittle went to the 49ers in the fifth round a few years ago. All right, everybody, make sure you check it out. Uh, go to Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. After the Giants' third-round pick, we will record another one of these, again, probably 10 to 15 minutes, and then we're live tomorrow at 10 a.m. to do a full reaction to rounds two and three, and then we'll obviously take you through the Giants' fourth-round pick Probably to around one one, th- probably around one o'clock. The way the picks are going tonight, they're going fast and furious. If they happen, <laughs> if they happen like this tomorrow, we'll we'll probably be off by one, which is fine. And then we'll have our live show again on Sunday as well from uh, twelve to two. For Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, the special rapid reaction edition on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank.